Today's episode is sponsored by you, my Patreon subscribers. Join the family by visiting patreon.com forward slash Nalini Tranquil. When I was just three years old, my brother, aged five, passed away very suddenly. I lost my brother, but my parents, they lost their son. In today's episode, you will hear a raw and honest conversation between my mum, Mary Jalalabadi, and I as we talk through our own experiences of loss. You will learn how we navigated the grieving process. We will share what worked for us and what didn't. You will walk away with two things. Number one, tools to equip you whilst navigating personal grief. And number two, tools to help others in your world who may be grieving. Just to put a little content warning out, we do talk openly about death, grief, and loss. Therefore, listener discretion is advised. Hey, grab some tissues, find a cozy spot with a good cuppa, and let's get into it. Okay, so today we've got a pretty full-on conversation, and I was thinking I really do yeah, need to make sure I've got yeah. tissues to hand. I've got my tissues <laughs> to hand as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good I knew you would I've had this in my heart actually for for a while to bring to the table the topic of grief because yeah, it's something yeah. that we all at some point yeah. in time are gonna have to face exactly yes and I'm just like surely we can equip people with you know what works yeah. what doesn't work you know yeah, exactly the emotional torment of grief is normal <laughs> Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Cause it's not a subject that people just want to talk about. No, not no. openly like we're doing today. No. And of course, when you're hit with grief or you've got a loved one who's navigating mm. grief, that's not the time to be asking the questions. No, no. So no. I thought if we could just create this safe place for people to just sit, listen to our story yeah, yeah, um, and how we navigated it. We'll give that a go. I'll, I'll try not to end up a blubbering mess. Blubbering mess, I know. <laughs> so in my description of this particular episode, I yeah. say quite bluntly, I lost my brother, but my mum yeah. lost her son. Yeah. yeah. So it's, you know, it, your grief is completely different to my grief. So it is. Yeah. Yeah. If I can just, okay, use your tissues. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to just be able to hand over to you to just share a little bit about what happened. You don't have to go into, you know, yeah, sure. detail, yeah, sure. just paint a yeah. picture of what happened and then um, I'll ask you a few questions. Is that okay? Okay. All right. No, thanks, love. Thank you. Um, it was the Christmas of the year that he turned five. We noticed that he had difficulty picking up small items. Like, I mean, we bought him a compendium of games that had tiddlywinks in it and Chinese checkers and things like that. But he was finding it difficult to pick these things up. Yeah. Um, it, we were first-time parents, so we thought, oh, it's just a phase he's going through. So we didn't really think anything of it. Um, he started school in the January of the, the following year. We noticed that he started scuffing his feet a lot, and then he started falling over. So I talked about it to a nurse friend of ours, and she said, no, you definitely need to get him checked out with your GP. So I took him to the GP, and the GP, you know, tested him. He did lots of fine motor coordination things with him. I mean, I don't know the details, but 
um, straight off, he said, oh, I, I need to refer him to a pediatrician. Yeah. And as soon as he mentioned pediatrician, I knew that there was something serious going on here. Yeah. yeah. So we got to see the pediatrician and she did a full on much bigger in-depth test with him. And um, I was there during the whole time. And then straight off, she said, no, I need to refer him to a neurosurgeon. Oh, mom. And that was just so hard. And I said to her, what, what do you think it is? And she refused to answer. And I said, I am not leaving this room until you tell me what you think the problem is. Yeah. And she said, I suspect he's got a brain tumour. Oh, I mean, how do you cope with that when you've got a five-year-old? You, a, a child of five shouldn't have to have a brain tumour. Yeah. Oh, so that was, that was really, really hard. So we took him to the neurosurgeon and he did various tests and whatnot. And then he realised that there was a build-up of pressure in his brain. And um, look, even when he was born, at the hospital in the UK when he was born there, they cast him off and were measuring his skull and doing various things. And I asked them, you know, what's going on? And they said, no, 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 we're just making sure that everything's working well. We do this with all babies. Right. And it was only then that the neurosurgeon, when I mentioned this to him, he said uh, they were possibly suspecting hydrocephalus, which is water on the brain. Oh, my gosh. So... Um, he did some more tests and things, and then he realised that there was a build-up of pressure on the brain. So he did surgery to remove the pressure. Now, after he'd had surgery, he did start recovering. And so we thought, oh, praise God. And he said he was going to have to put a shunt in or something, I think, to relieve the... I don't know the technical details. But we were okay with that because he was making good progress. But then slowly he started deteriorating mm. and he ended up back in hospital and <laughs> he started losing his um, speech so he couldn't talk and he just could not walk at all. And within three and a half months of us noticing the first signs, he'd gone. Mum, that's so sudden. That's it's just so hard. Devastating. I remember... I remember for me, I had to stay with Auntie Bev and Uncle Kev, yes. the children. They were yeah. dear, dear friends of the family. Yes. And yeah. Yeah. They just made life as normal as possible for me. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, keeping in mind, I was three. So it's crazy. Yeah. You know, I didn't realize childhood memories could go back that far. But I guess no. it was such a huge event. Yeah, it was. You know, it kind of just yeah. steers itself in your mind. Um, and I remember one time when little Ashok, my brother, um, came home from the hospital and that must've been around the time where you guys were like, okay, there's an improvement here. Yes. Um, and he was in a wheelchair. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember you and dad just saying, you need to be very, very gentle with him, very careful with him. Um, and I vividly remember pushing him in the wheelchair around the house. Yes. He had palm yes. flooring and, you know, yes. pushing yeah. him around the house. And that is yeah. my yeah. memory of being with him. Yes. And yeah. then yeah. I remember staying with Auntie Bev and Uncle Kev again and the other, and the kids. Yeah. And then Auntie Bev um, sitting me down 
on the day that yes. he, that she would have heard the news. Yes. Um, yeah. And I remember her, we had a conversation about it years later and she said mm. she sat me down on her lap and she just said, yeah. um, I've just got something to tell you. And, you know, I was only little and yeah. she just said, um, yeah. brother's gone to be with Jesus in heaven. Yeah. And yeah. she said, I flinched like I did this really weird jerk thing. Mm-hmm. And then she said, and then I just got up off her lap and ran off and, you know, carried on playing yeah. again and what yeah. Talk to me about how it, how the grief hit you. I think I went into a grief bubble. I, I couldn't cope with what was happening with myself and I didn't have any thoughts for you or or your dad yeah. at that time because I was just so caught up in my own grief and yeah it was a challenge but I had to wake up to the fact that you needed to live a normal life you needed to play with your friends you needed to go to the birthday parties and that was just so hard because you know, our friends were also struggling because they had kids of the same age as you and the same age as little Ashok, and they didn't know quite how to cope with us. Yeah. So I had to just break out of this bubble and, and just be with dad and cry with dad so that we could share together. And Because too many couples separate. They, they end up separating when, when there's a death, especially of a child. And do you think it's because they're navigating their grief as individuals rather than as a unified couple? Yes, exactly, exactly. Because how exactly. do you how do you let the other one in then? How do you how do you do that? I, I can't recall how we did it, but there was a shift. I realized that no, this wasn't just about me and my pain. Yeah. This I had to see that you and dad were also struggling and our friends were struggling with this so I had to but I can't recall how that happened yeah but I think just that realization in itself it's interesting how I open up about my battles with anxiety and PTSD and you know a couple of times in the past where I was actually suicidal and how insular those yes, emotions are and it's very internal focus yes, as is yes. grief then yes you oh know? yes yes and and what I found was love the the grief would catch me totally unawares yeah so you know sometimes even while I was in a supermarket going grocery shopping when I could get my head around the fact that I needed to do normal stuff yeah the grief would just well up just like that for no apparent reason. And I'd I'd end up having to leave the supermarket, leave the trolley there because I just was not coping with this grief. It it almost comes up from your boots. Yeah. That is just so hard. And And yet it's a process that you have to go through. Exactly, exactly. But you're thinking, what the heck is going on with me? Am I normal? Is is this normal or what? But people don't share with you the different stages 
that you need to go through. And yet not all the stages of grief happen in the same way with everybody. No, exactly. Okay, so with you, it was these outbursts of emotion. Yes, yes, yes. Was there ever a time where you were angry or you blamed yourself or...? Of course we blamed ourselves. Dad and I were like, what What did we do that caused this? Yeah. I mean, the, the neurosurgeon obviously had to have a post-mortem yeah. because they were asking questions, you know, how do you and your husband get on and and stuff. They, they didn't know if there was family violence going on here. They didn't know that. Yeah. So they had to do a post-mortem, and that was when he saw that there were shadows on the back of his brain. And then he said, no, he died of encephalopathy, which it kind of brought relief to us because we we had always wondered, was there something we could have done to have prevented this? And you couldn't have. Which is, which is what all parents cry, yeah. you know, when their child dies. Yeah, of course. And I think even going down that route, though, in your mind of could we have done things different, Yes. It's so important to break out of that, hey, and yes. and yes. to stop feeding that because that's only going to exactly. send you in a downward spiral. Exactly. Right? So exactly. Exactly. The same way you oh. have to go, look, I've got another child, I've got a husband, I've yes. just got to somehow push through this grief. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Finding yes. something that's going to give you that purpose Yes. Because otherwise it's unfair on those who are living. I remember of course it is. I conversation with a beautiful mum, a darling friend of ours who lost yeah. one of their children to suicide and the grief yeah. just overcame them and it was like yes. a year, two years. And I remember once having this conversation yeah. with her and just saying, but what about the children who were living? Exactly. Just Exactly. Yeah, it just did a, yeah. a flip around shift. for her. It yeah, that's it. You have a paradigm shift. Yes. So yes. it's having something that yeah. gives you that purpose to wake up in the morning. Yes. Our Christian faith really saw us through this and our friends. Our friends were amazing. Look, some of them just didn't know how to cope with it, to be honest. They, they just did not cope. They didn't know how to cope with it. Yeah. They'd come out with stupid things like, Oh, well, you can always have another one. Oh, <laughs> or they'd say, oh, we know what you're going through. No, hang on a minute. You've, you've got no idea what, what we're going through. You've got no idea. I think it's because people are nervous about it, right? Okay, so what do you say? What is deemed as appropriate in that moment? Sometimes, look, it's, it's not actually saying anything. Is just coming and giving us a hug. Yeah. So I just want to let you know we love you. We're there for you. If there's anything we can do to help, please, we're here. Yeah. We're here. I mean, some of them, some of them, honestly, it was so hard because they didn't know what to do or how to cope with us. When we'd be in the supermarket, if they saw us in a supermarket aisle, they'd dodge into the next aisle because they just did not know what to do. 
to do. You don't get trained on this, do you? No, you don't. No, you don't. Okay, so you've got a loved one who has Mm -hmm. lost a a partner or a child. or You're in this very exact scenario. You haven't seen them since the loss. Yes, The only forms of communication you've had is on Facebook or whatever where everyone has condolences. And now it's your first time seeing the person since their loss. What do you say? What do you do? Yes. Uh, Look, approaching them and just telling them, you know, you love them or you care for them. You know, can I give you a hug? Because some people just, they they don't want to actually see anybody. Really, when you're in that grief bubble, you just don't want to see anybody. You don't want to talk to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, you know, asking them, can I give you a hug? Would that be all right? Yeah. And quite often, they'll just... Yeah. yeah, the tears just come. Yeah, they will. Yeah. Um, so my grief is very yeah. different, <clears throat> of course. Of course, um, of course. I remember this overwhelming sense of loneliness. Yes. time in my yes. life. And I think it's because yeah. I was born into having him there. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. So... I experienced loneliness for the first time at three years of age. And I remember even at that age being heartbroken for you and dad. Yeah. Even as a a three-year-old, I understood that the grief and the pain for you and dad was a million times worse. Yeah. And... So I think I used to, not I think, I know, I used to consciously try and stay out of your way just to give you space. And so what I would do was you would um, get me from nursery or whatever. This was before piano came on the scene because piano had been about a year later. Yes. Oh, and that was a lifeline for me. But within that first year or however long it was, um, I remember going into my room after nursery school and I had this massive big like chronicles of Narnia wardrobe oh yes yes I would go and sit inside in it yeah I would close the door and I would sit that's right yeah 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 and I would actually talk to God yeah to Jesus and I would you know be like so how was your day and what has he been doing today? Because, you know, I remember vividly yes. saying that yes. he had gone to heaven to be with Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. And so I would sit in my cupboard and I would imagine what they were up to, you know, like what <laughs> games they had been playing that day. Yeah, yeah. And that for me almost became my relief and my yes. way of handling my own grief. Yes, But this yes. is something I've never said to you and I want yeah. to say it to you now. Yeah. Is I just want to thank you for giving me that space to grieve. You didn't once come into my room and go, What are you doing in your wardrobe? That's really weird. Can you please come out now and be a normal human being? You didn't once. Yeah. No. You didn't once do that. You just. No. You gave me that space. Space. That's it. That's it. I think it's so important for 
for parents who lose a child who still have living children. Yes, to yes. Understand that they are also grieving. Grieving, yes. They, they think they're too young to understand. <sighs> <laughs> I was not too young to understand what happened, you know. No, I lost my no, friend. No. And yeah, that's it. it. The grief for me was very, very real. Yeah, yeah. But you yeah. gave me the space to to yeah. adapt and to grow in my own way. Um, yes, yes. And yes. I just, I love you guys for that. I'm so yeah. thankful for that. Oh, bless you. Thank you for sharing that. Love. Yeah, of course. Yeah, oh my gosh. <laughs> I knew this was going to be hard, but. <laughs> <laughs> so did I. <laughs> also, one of the hard things was, you know, taking you to birthday parties. Yeah. And then at the end of the party, you know, trying to find you to say, come on, we're going home now. But then also going out into the garden and calling for a little Asha. Oh, mom. So it's time to go home now. Oh, mom. But I mean, women that have lost their husbands or husbands that have lost their wives after they've been married for goodness knows yeah. how long, oh. you know, they're still setting the table for them to come for dinner. Yeah. Because, you know, it's just something that you've, regularly done yeah so how do you just turn that off you we can't don't. no you can't no you can't i'm so glad you brought this up because i know people who have kind of gone that's just so embarrassing that i still lay the table for him exactly exactly and yet it's normal it's it it's is normal. normal yes part of yes human but it just catches you unawares you know, it just catches you unawares again. Yeah. I mean, even even a few years ago, look, he's he's been gone, what, 38 years now. And a couple of years ago when it was his birthday, I was just a blubbering mess. Yeah. Absolute blubbering mess. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, you know, people say, oh, well, time will heal. Yes, it does. So the intensity of the grief isn't there. Yes. When you've lost a significant loved one, yeah you don't know what's going to trigger it off again you just don't know that's exactly right it's almost I wrote a poem for um, a friend of mine who lost a child I think I titled it the unwanted guest Um, oh yeah yeah and it's like it's almost like grief in a way moves in it's not something that once you've experienced you can go back to how things were it's like grief moves in but over time, you you adapt and you, yes. you become that much more, you know, okay with it being there in a way. I yes, know it sounds really it. weird, yes. but I, I want to yes. say this as a way to just encourage yeah. people who are navigating grief. Yes. Is that yes. even though it's painful and even to this day, you know, we still yeah. remember my brother on his birthday and there's still moments, yes. you know, like I remember yeah. when I released yeah. your love video and that yes. premiered on YouTube. Sure. I was just like, I just wish he was here, you know, just to, just to be a part of that. <laughs> so it never leaves, but... It does that the intensity that's right is not there all the time right but it can still catch you unawares when you're yes. least expecting it yes 100 percent. okay but here's the question yeah yeah when you're in that place of 
intense grief and you feel like your heart is broken into a million pieces and you think yeah. you are never going to be normal to get through again. This again. Can you talk yeah. to that person? Yeah. This isn't about um, coming up with the answers of what's going to work for no. them. I, no. want, I want an injection of encouragement that they are going to heal, that if they can just allow themselves to go through the grief process, which is perfectly yes. normal, yes. you yes. will heal. Your heart is a resilient heart. The human oh, heart yes. is yeah. a resilient heart. So whatever Absolutely. your grief is right now, oh, there is a brilliant. resilience within the human heart that I'm telling you now, even though it feels like right now you're not going to get through Yes, it. yes. We're going to heal. Yes. Look, I mean... <laughs> Just, just looking at the Aussies that have lost everything with the fires oh. that devastated this place yeah. earlier this year and last yeah. year. I mean, the resilience of the human, human heart is, is incredible. It's absolutely. absolutely incredible. I've got a few questions I wanted to ask you. What's the worst thing I can actually do when I have a loved one battling grief? And I think you actually answered this earlier, and it was to just ignore them or walk away. Oh, yeah. Or- Avoid. Is there anything else that is like a this is not an appropriate time to do this? Yeah. When when someone's navigating grief. Uh, Look, because people don't know how to respond, some of them make light of it, and they try and just make some kind of humorous comment. Right. Which is totally inappropriate. Yeah. Totally, totally okay. inappropriate. Okay, it's interesting that you yeah. say that because we did have a question come in saying, should one ever put positive spins on grief? And if so, mm-hmm. when would be the right time? No. There's really no right time. Look, yeah. the thing is, if you've never experienced grief, I'm sure before we experienced the death of little Ashok, we used to have jokes about death and dying and all the rest of it yeah. but when you've experienced grief oh no it's, no you, you just no you no just, I no. agree okay I've got one lady's messaged in she asks what are some not so obvious signs that someone may be dealing with grief mostly it's they they tend to isolate themselves isolate, pull themselves they away. just yeah pull back and just isolate themselves because like I said earlier when you're in your grief bubble the last thing you want to do is see people yeah partly because they don't know how to cope with you and partly you're just so caught up in your own grief you can't see anything beyond that yeah yeah so that's why it's so important to find that one thing that's going to get you out of bed in the yes whether it's your husband or your partner or yes other other children yes that's it that's exactly it or or even your work because if you you're doing essential work yeah you've got a reason to get out there but it's it's hard it's hard stepping out out And interacting with people, it's a very hard thing to do in the early stages. Yeah, absolutely. I have got one more question. Mm. How does one deal with unresolved grief over the loss of someone still living? Now, this is quite a powerful question. So, you know, a breakup or a divorce where that grief process as the person's died, but the person is actually very much still alive. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. That is just so hard. Yeah. So you know, because in one sense, you're wishing that they'd actually died yeah. rather than they're still alive. Yeah. And especially if they've got another partner coming along with them. Right. How do you navigate that grief? I mean, I honestly with what we went through last year, just with our own grief that we were experiencing as a family, yeah. one of the best things I did was actually yeah. go and see a psychologist. And oh, definitely. Yes. Just having that space to be able to talk about what was going on in here. Yes. 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 It was, it was a lifeline for me. Absolutely. So it's okay Absolutely. to ask for help. I think I think that's definitely one thing I want to bring. Definitely, definitely. It's okay to ask for help, but it's also knowing who to ask the help from. I mean, they might be very well-meaning friends and family members, but they can still be very insensitive to what you go through. Absolutely. So if you need to go and see a psychologist, go and see a psychologist. Yep. If you need to go and see your pastor, go and see your pastor. Absolutely. I will add that it took me two or three psychologists before I felt like I found the right one. The right one. Exactly. Exactly. It's got to work for you. It's got to feel like yeah. a safe place for you. But I love that you also said, Absolutely. you know, if, if you're a person of faith, have faith. that conversation with your pastor. That's why your pastor is yes. there. Exactly. Like you were saying, it took you two or three goes with a psychologist to find the one that you connected yep. with. Yeah. So even with like a care team at your faith yep. fellowship, whatever that is, um, you may speak to one person and they just don't get where you're coming from. Yeah. So then you need to see somebody else. Yes. And and just but press in until you see yes. the right person that you can open with. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And I guess also it's very similar then with someone who's actually lost a loved one is finding purpose in what's in yes. front of you now. Yes, that's it. That's you it. Know? Yes, that's it's unexpected, it. but yes. I've got purpose and a future in front of me. It might not look like what I had expected. Yes. Because otherwise we write ourselves off from our future and even our children if we have children yes. in the picture. Yes, yes. When we get so caught up in our grief bubble, it's very difficult to get out of that unless we know what our life purpose is. 100%. Because if my life purpose is only, you know, growing up to get a job, to earn some money, to earn a pension and, you know, get married, maybe have kids, travel, do whatever. If my life purpose is limited to that, yeah. then we're going to struggle to move beyond the grief that we're experiencing. 100%. We need to know what, what am I here on earth for? Exactly. Because these things are, yes, they're important, but our lives are worth, um, are much bigger than that. Okay, you have so hit the nail on the head. And I think particularly for people who are currently going through the grief of having lost a loved one, not necessarily to death, but yes. the divorce. Oh, yes, it's, yes. It's so easy for our identity to become yes. so enmeshed in the person that we're married to. Yes, yes. And then when he leaves or she leaves and that relationship yes. ends, exactly. we lose who we are. Exactly. I mean, you might lose your house or you might lose your job, your really important big job, you know, and yes. you lose that. 
Yeah. Then unless you know who you are beyond that, wow. <laughs> you're going to struggle wow. to, to move through the grief. Mum, thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. I know this has been a really hard conversation, but thank you so much for bringing your wisdom to the table. Oh. I'm, my heart is so full. I know this is going to speak volume. Oh. impacted by anything covered in today's episode, why not lock in a free 30-minute conversation with me and let's talk some more. Simply head to nalinitranquim.com forward slash coaching.